We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link, alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson, going to be running down the, the final three Arizona Fall League rosters that we didn't get to last week. But James, first, I, I want to take a look at uh, look ahead, kind of to your your next set of prospect rankings, particularly in the outfield, because I think you know No More Mazar. I know you've been high on him for a long time. Uh, seems like some people are coming, really coming around to him. Keith Law mentioned him recently as a guy he considered for a 2015 prospect of the year. Ended up naming AJ Reed uh, his prospect of the year, and he expects to be the high man on him this off season on Mazzara. That is, but but you've really kind of been the high guy I'll, on him. I'll be the high man on you've, him. <laughs> <laughs> you've been the high guy on him for past year and a half. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we've we've talked about Mazzara plenty. Uh, he he's the man. He's might be the the guy top my my next set of rankings but the, the outfielders kind of behind him there's it's really hard to sort of order them mm-hmm. and it's like hard to even sort of tier them like there's about you know a dozen or so maybe maybe 13 or 14 guys that I view fairly similarly uh you know maybe six or seven or maybe even eight guys who if you said that they were the next best outfield prospect behind Mazzara I wouldn't really argue with you Mm -hmm. and you know some of those guys are close to the big league some of them are a couple years away but you know there's about you know eight guys that have maybe legit uh like 2020 potential there's some guys like like Judge and Renfro who have 30 plus homer potential uh you know there's some guys from the the latest draft class and andrew benintendi and and ian happ who who are probably top 20 outfield prospects at this point 
and it's it's kind of an interesting grouping because they're a lot of them are just so similar and it's it's really kind of hard to sort of wrap your wrap your head around uh, how to go about ranking those guys yeah a lot of talent but it is hard to know who's gonna kind of emerge and have that success carry over uh to the major league level because like with you know prospects in any sport uh success rate not super high i mean especially in baseball when there's so much scouting scouting reports on on every single player uh some guys are bound to you know have their ups and downs and really just kind of fizzle out and not live up to expectations but if we're talking about outfield rankings Mazzara's in a tier of his own right right he's the number one clear number one he's then, the only he's the only guy that in the outfield who I would say is guaranteed of a spot inside the top 10 mm-hmm. um I you know the the guys that I have you know one through I don't know one through seven or one through eight Nick Williams Aaron Judge Ryan Tapia Manuel Margot Luis Brinson Clint Frazier, Bradley Zimmer, David Dahl. I would say all those guys could reasonably be at the back of a top 10. Uh, certainly could reasonably reasonably be in a top 25 or so. But none of them are locks to be in the top 10. Once I go mm-hmm. and kind of put everything together and move some guys up and move some guys out, it's, I mean, it's only going to probably be one or two of those guys in there because – it's such a kind of cluttered position sort of in terms of guys who are probably more in that like 10 to 50 range. Yeah, definitely. We're talking about the second tier though, uh, behind Mazzara, would you maybe draw the line after like Tapia, maybe Williams judge Tapia kind of in that second tier? I don't think so. I actually think the line has to be drawn. I, I would probably draw it after either after Dahl or after oh, Winker, wow. so all those guys right. clustered in there. Yeah, that's that's how close it is. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I said, yeah, Williams, yeah. Judge, Tapia, Margot, Brinson, Frazier, Zimmer, Dahl, and then McKinney and Winker. That's that's my top ten, and McKinney and Winker, they're kind of there might be a tier after Dahl, just because I don't see uh, as much across the board contributions from those two guys where like I think McKinney is just going to be like a stud with with batting average you know maybe he gets to like 20 homer pop or something like that and Winker could could kind of be a similar player you know high, high batting average maybe maybe 25 homer pop but all the guys ahead of them have other than Judge I mean Judge is the guy that's got like the the 30 35 homer potential but the other guys ahead of them all have like 20 steel potential too which mm-hmm. makes them interesting and you know they all really honestly have 20 plus homer potential so uh the fact that winker and mckinney are more kind of one or two uh tool guys instead of uh three tool offensive guys then that kind of draws a line right there so i would say maybe mckinney and winker are kind of in their own little tier there and then after that uh you know, I might go Victor Robles, Brett Phillips, Austin Mabo- Meadows, and then another tier, and then Derek Fisher, Hunter Renfro, probably another tier, and then Ben Intendi, Ian Happ, Anthony Alford, Roman Quinn, Phil Irvin to, to round out that hmm. top 20 there. Interesting. Now, I feel like Judge among that top tier behind Mazzara, again, probably the closest to reaching the majors. Would you Would you agree with that? Maybe him um, or Williams. I mean, they're pretty pretty neck and neck. I'd say. I would say, wouldn't surprise me if uh, Williams, Judge, or Zimmer got there first huh. out of those guys. Um, and actually, you know, Brett Phillips is probably pretty close too. Uh, just kind of depends how the Yankees sort of go into next season and what they uh, want to do to start the year in right field. I mean, they they didn't choose to bring judge up this year even though they were in kind of a, a race and I don't know what's necessarily going to change between now and the start of next season so I'm I'm going to go ahead and assume that they're going to leave him in the minors out of camp and in that mm-hmm. case then it could be that you see Williams Judge Zimmer uh, Phillips kind of all come up within like a month of each other and so yeah I mean I, I think there's definitely some some 2016 value among these guys. Uh, I'd put Mazar at the top of that list, uh, mm-hmm. just like he's at the top of uh, 
the rankings for the position, but, uh, you know, a lot of kind of long-term guys though, too. I mean, the, the guys that can contribute next year, I would say it's kind of a group of, of four or five realistically. And then you just got a ton of guys that are going to be knocking on the door in 2017 and 2018. Jesse Winker, one of those guys who certainly in the conversation for a promotion next year, possibly early. I mean, left field has been a Mm -hmm. black hole for the Reds this year. In terms of fantasy, I mean, I'm a big believer in the hit tool, but is he going to hit for enough power and provide enough in the other categories to to really be a a guy that you put in your lineups in even shallower formats? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know about – obviously, these guys, they all get picked up. Um, kind of no matter what the format is, when a when a prospect that people have heard of gets called up, they're going to get added. I don't know if he's going to be super productive that first, you know, 200, 300 plate appearances in the big leagues. I mean, that's kind of hard to expect from a guy like that. I mean, he's not a, a no-doubt, surefire type of guy like a, like a Chris Bryant where you can just assume that from day one he's going to be extremely productive. But I do think, you know, by the time his second and third seasons roll around, he's going to be a legit, you know, top 50, top 300 guy. So that therefore he would be useful in most formats. Just, it's not going to be crazy, like 30, 35 Homer power. And it's Mm. not going to be like a 320 average, but it's going to be enough of both of those things to make him uh, pretty useful. I mean, maybe like you might get just kind of like Marlin Bird, like kind of peak Marlin Bird oh, production. No. Like, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> okay. well, that's he still had some good years, you know, yeah, like yeah. some, some 270, yeah. 275 with 25, 25 homers. homers. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 pretty darn useful. Yeah, it is. I remember Bernie Pleskoff, uh, former scout for, for a couple of major league teams, him saying at the Arizona Fall League last year that I thought Winker, or he heard at least heard some people suggest that Winker maybe a guy who could push for a batting title, but you don't expect that average to be uh, sky high like that. I mean, it's just he's not a guy that I would say he's going to push for a batting title. Mm-hmm. It, it could happen. I mean, it, it, realistically, every single guy in the top 13 or so other than Judge could push for a batting title. I mean, yeah. it's not – it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, these are all guys that are hitting – you know, around 300 or, or in some cases well over 300 uh, at the minor league level. And it's just, you know, a lot of these guys have very impressive approaches. There's not a ton of swing and miss in, in the bats of any of these guys, really, and, uh, other than, you know, once you get further down the list, you might look at a guy like Derek Fisher and see some of that or, or even Aaron Judge. You might see some of that just because of how big his strike zone is and everything like that. But, I mean, if I were to pick some guys that could win a batting title on this list, he probably wouldn't be at the forefront. I would, I'd take Nick Williams, I'd take Ramel Tapia, I'd take Billy McKinney over him, but uh, definitely kind of in that mix. One guy I think would be low on that list of uh, guys who could potentially hit for, for a batting title is Hunter Renfro. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 272 average. I mean, not terrible between AA and AAA this year. 462 slug between those two levels. Uh, 20 homers, but the, the on-base lacking at 321. It was 313 at AA San Antonio where he spent most of the year. Seems to be kind of a polarizing type of prospect. I mean, I, I got to see him in the Futures game last year. Uh, or I mean, Yeah, the, the Fall Stars game. Right? Mm-hmm. And he, he did hit a monster homer, came off the bench, hit a deep homer. But seems like uh, among the prospect community, you're kind of uh, – not as high on this guy. Right? Well, it's. I just think people have to be realistic about what he is. Uh, no, it's no surprise. Like the probably the three guys on this list, obviously not including Mazzara, that have the most power potential are Judge, Frazier, and Renfro, and those are guys that probably are going to swing and miss the most, and they're probably going to hit for averages closer to two fifty than to three hundred. And there's there's a reason for that. I mean, they're they're obviously selling out for that power, and that's that's what their teams want them to do. I mean, they didn't draft Aaron Judge to have him hit three ten and hit fifteen homers. Um, Hunter Renfro is a guy who I can't. I don't think people know just yet if he is just a mistake hitter or if he's got legitimate, you know, sixty sixty five grade in game power that he can that he can utilize against big league pitching. I mean, I think that's kind of a, a to be determined on him. I mean, plenty of guys 
with his tools have come up and gotten to the big leagues and kind of you know fizzled out and hit like it wouldn't surprise me if in his first like 500 plate appearances he hit like 230 or something like that so Mm -hmm. uh that's why i'm a little lower on him whereas you know a guy like say manuel margot if he gets there and isn't hitting for a ton of power he's still going to be hitting around 280 290 stealing a ton of bases hitting close to the top of that lineup so uh i mean there's just a higher floor with the guys who are just not so reliant on that power yeah, I, I completely agree. I think Redfro's uh he's gonna live or die on that power and if he if he gets off to a slow start and that's not coming. He, he actually I should mention him as a guy that he'll probably debut before the All Star break next year, so that'll be that'll be fun to see. That will be cool. Now am I mistaken, did you have uh for some reason I thought you had Ian Happ ahead of Andrew Benintendi on your initial up uh yeah. top two hundred after the draft. Yeah. So what what made uh, you flip those two? Uh, I mean, I mean, it's really close. It's it's really close in my mind. Uh, Ben and Tendy, like if it was just me, like just me sitting around by myself and like, this is how I'm going to rank all the guys. Like I might, might have half ahead of him, but for the purposes of, of people utilizing this list in Mm -hmm. their leagues, Ben and Tendy is going to be, uh, more valuable to you in the, the short term and possibly more valuable in the long term just because of how productive he's been. I mean, you if you were to trade Benintendi, say, a year from now, I'm guessing you're going to be able to get more than if you traded Ian Happ. And so that's that's kind of why the, the guys are ranked where they are. I, I like Happ a ton. I mean, both of these guys hit double-digit uh, homers and double-digit had double-digit steals after getting drafted in professional ball, I believe. Either that or they were really close. So... A uh, ton to like with, with both guys for sure, but Ben Benintendi was just a bit more impressive numbers-wise after getting drafted. Now, Phil Magic Irvin, I mean, we've talked about him uh, a bit. Of course, I'm a Reds fan, so I had a close eye on him, especially after last season's struggles with Loe Dayton, uh, the Dayton Dragons. Now, he stole 34 bases this year uh, between two levels, had 30 the year before, but caught 10 times this year. If you had to put a grade on on his speed, would you say it's like a fifty grade tool? Uh, fifty five maybe. Okay. Um, but it's it's also I might put like a future. I don't know, like forty five or fifty. I mean, like it's it's not. He's faster now than he ever will be in the big leagues. I mean, you could probably say that about all these guys, but I think Irvin, it might the the decline there might be a little steeper. Like yeah. you might see him go. I don't know, he might steal like 20 bases in his first year in the big leagues, and then like three years later he might be stealing 10. So, I mean, it's it's not a tool that I think is going to stick with him throughout his career. Yeah, I'm completely with you there. Now, anybody that uh, you were close to putting on this list that just missed the cut, maybe Vlad Jr.? Um, you know, I, didn't, I'm, I wouldn't put Vlad Jr. on this list just because of – how far away he is uh a couple guys from that draft class though that that this last this last draft class that definitely could have been on there would be cornelius randolph for the phillies and trent clark for the brewers i think both of those guys really impressed in their their first taste of uh of rookie ball and you know they they maybe you know going into next year you know the list for the magazine and everything maybe they will end up uh surpassing a guy like phil irvin or or roman quinn or anthony alford there at the bottom but uh just kind of aired on the side of you know i put hap and benintendi in there but those are college bats that are going to move pretty quickly and they you know also had production to go with it uh tried to air on the side of guys that you're going to see within three years in the big leagues here i think that's wise now before we move on to the final three afl rosters just want to get your thoughts on what we've seen so far from Corey Seager. I mean, excellent so far. Uh, really good strike zone management, too. I think that's the most encouraging thing as far as I'm concerned. I think uh, almost twice as many walks as he has strikeouts. Uh, average over four 400. Obviously, can't sustain that level of production, but really good start to his major league career. We're looking ahead to 2016. Do you think he's going to be a top 150 player for you on your big board? Uh... 
He's probably going to be right around there. Yeah, I mean, 475 BABIP. Uh, book's not really out on him yet, so I, I'm not really reading much at all into these these numbers. So, uh, you know, I think the, the number one thing you'll have going for him next year is a pretty secure hold on that, that job that from, from day one, which is going to be nice. You're not going to have to worry about, you know, what happens when Jimmy Rollins comes back because he won't be there most likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. 150 is that's, that sounds about right. I guess. Uh, I mean, would you have this thing at the position? I feel like he's top five. I mean, Correa, Tulo. I mean, maybe Zobris gung. I would take I Brandon Crawford over him. I would really? probably take Johnny Peralta over him just for next year. Yeah, I, I'm not a big believer in Crawford, especially given what we've seen over the second half. But I mean, overall production this this year very good. I think it, I mean really buoyed by that first. I half, would take Bogarts over. Yeah, I take him Bogarts for sure. over over him. But I don't know if I'd take Peralta. It's close, but I mean, yeah, full season of Seager on the field. I think is going to be. You know, solid at one fifty. I think is is a, is a reasonable range. I mean, he'll he'll Top still be he'll on opening day. He'll still be twenty one years old. So it's <laughs> not a slight to say that I don't think he's a top five no. guy going into next year. I mean, he's twenty one years old. Top and ten. I, though, I might agree? even take Edison Russell over him, uh, to huh. be honest. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll move on here to the AFL rosters. We hit on the, the first three last week: Scottsdale, Peoria, and Glendale. We'll start with Mesa this week. Uh, some guys to definitely watch for: Pierce Johnson, uh, Sean Manaya, Trevor Williams, Wilson Contreras, uh, Jaime Candelario. I'm probably saying that. I'm probably butchering that. Candelario, maybe. Candelario. Matt Chapman, Casey Glaspie, uh, Chad Pinder, Daniel Robertson, Jake Bowers, and Mark Zaginis. Now, uh, Manaya is somebody that I, I really uh, am excited to see, and you really thought the the A's kind of robbed. Uh, the the Royals in that deal, right? Uh, yeah. Um, gosh, why am I blanking on who they gave up for? Oh, Zobris. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, that was. I mean, it was a win-win. Like, it's not. Mm-hmm. I just, if I had been the Royals, I would have tried to have had Miguel Amante be the piece in that deal, or maybe it'd be wishful thinking to think that Kyle Zimmer could be the piece in that deal. But uh, Manaya was the top guy in their system to me, other than Raul Mondesi. And I would have liked to have seen them hold on to him if, if at all possible. But I mean, you look at their, their current lineup and Zobrist has been extremely crucial for them, given uh, some of the declines in play from, from guys, uh, you know, at, at second base and in the outfield. And he's just really versatile. He'll help them in, in August or October quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, Manaya out of the pitchers here, I mean, it's not, a, not a nice crop on this roster necessarily, but, uh, yeah, Manaya is probably the guy I'd want to see out of those guys. And Pierce Johnson, I mean, the shine has kind of faded there, but you still think I he's, uh, I mean, I don't know if about his, num- bit, his numbers yeah. are pretty good this year. Um, is he a starter though? I think the, so. Yeah. I mean, I, I not going to say that anybody's a, surefire starter like some guy like in the the kind of 50 to 120 range like pierce johnson is but i would definitely project him as a starter um i think i think you look at him as a guy who could strike out maybe 175 over a full season and and maybe if he's their number four starter i mean if you can just kind of crack into that rotation uh over the next five years here there's going to be plenty of wins to be had so uh Definitely like that situation. Uh, Wilson Contreras, who uh, Pierce Johnson might be throwing to um, for a while, is a guy who kind of got recognized as one of the top catchers, if not the top catcher, just based on pure production in the minor leagues this year uh, in the Cubs system. Not really a top 10 guy in their system just because their system's so awesome, but a guy who in a lot of other systems would probably be a top 10 guy, so be be fun to watch him behind the plate. And then uh, Jake Bowers is a guy who I don't know a ton about other than just looking at the, the stat sheet, which is obviously impressive. Uh, Mark Zagunas is a guy I'm, I'm higher on than most just because I love his approach. So definitely looking forward to see those two hitters as well. 
Some sheer potential there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sheer potential with with a decent amount of these guys. <laughs> 60, Hashtag sheer potential. Sixty grade sheer potential. <laughs> that's that's good to hear. Now, what about Casey Gillespie? I think he's kind of interesting. I mean, of course, younger brother of Connor, first round pick in twenty fourteen, off to a pretty good start to his professional career. Uh, 24 homers in 150 games. Made it all the way up to high A this year as, as a 22-year-old. Uh, pretty good on-base skills, even though the numbers after the promotion to high A did drop off quite a bit. But is he somebody you like as a as a power hitter who could maybe rise through the, the final levels of that minor league system relatively quickly? Uh, Probably not quickly. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's 22 years old. He's going to be... 23 at the start of next season and he'll presumably be assigned to high a uh the power i mean it's it's solid power it's it's maybe 55 uh maybe 60 power but obviously if you're going to be a first baseman you you definitely want it to be at, at least 60 uh so i mean he's not he's not a guy that's gonna challenge for a batting title or anything like that so the power is probably gonna have to be the the carrying tool there so kind of a fringe top 150 guy for me i would say going into the year uh the position we obviously are probably going to like him more than most prospect evaluators because we don't really care about the lack of defensive value there but not a not a guy that is on my kind of top first baseman in the minors or anything like that the first week of the football season is in the books how'd your fantasy team do did you win money no you can on FanDuel this weekend. I was very happy, James, to place in the Rotowire FanDuel contest that we had uh, among those of us in the office. Don't miss out anymore. FanDuel is the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. The money is real. They are paying out over $75 million a week this football season. Building a team is easy. Just pick your players, stay under the salary cap, and sit back on Sunday and watch your team win. Entry fees start at just $1.00. Anybody can play. Tell me how your week one FanDuel teams did on Twitter at ClayWLink. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use my code RWP and sign up now. Special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to $200. Offer is only good for the first 50 people that use my code RWP today. Don't forget to use my code RWP, FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. Nice. Well, we'll move on to Salt River, Salt River Rafters. I'm looking forward to going back to Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. Great, great uh, you know, spring training AFL park. I mean, this is one of the nicer uh, parks that I've actually been to, and it's it's gr- amazing that it's – uh, just in Arizona, kind of not seen by a ton of people. But standouts on their roster include Kyle Freeland, Yon Lopez, Tom Murphy, Gavin Cicchini, Wilmer Defoe, Dominic Smith, Rowdy Telez, love that name, Drew Ward, Gabby Guerrero, Daniel Palka, and Jordan Patterson. Now, with with a guy like Wilmer Defoe, I'm pretty high on him, but is he going to have a spot to, to play next year, do you think? I sure hope so. I I mean it's it's kind of frustrating the Nash I mean everything about the Nationals can be frustrating at times. I think that they would be kind of silly to not give the Turner Defoe combo up the middle a solid I don't know 10 week trial to start the season mm-hmm. and just kind of see how things go because you can't possibly tell me that with the supporting cast there and the the pitching staff that if those guys come out of the gates and and aren't hitting like you thought they would be that that's going to be the reason why you don't contend for a playoff spot I mean I think you just got to see what those guys have and not jerk them around and play them like two days a week and stuff like that Uh, just really kind of stupid stuff Uh, for guys that we kind of know like we know what Danny Espinosa is we know what you know Escobar I mean like these these aren't guys who are just gonna really wow you so I see a guy like Defoe and a guy like Turner two guys who could possibly hit around 300 get on base and uh, steal a bunch of bags I I mean I think that it makes all the sense in the world to kind of have your team 
use those two guys up the middle and both are capable of playing shortstop so you're going to get plus defense from second base so yeah i mean i think that would be a great call not sure if that happens or not but i'm certainly going to be uh following that situation pretty closely in spring training and and as of right now i would certainly consider both guys for sort of the back end of single season drafts next year yeah i think so too and tifo i definitely think is interesting i hate this idea that you know, maybe the team tabs Danny Espinosa to be the starting shortstop next year. Like, come on. I, I imagine they will indeed let Ian Desmond walk, but give a guy like Defoe a chance. I think the upside is, you know, far higher, obviously. Uh, we've seen, you know, Danny Espinosa had some success early on, but it's fizzled and just not somebody I'd want in my everyday lineup. With Defoe, I mean, 20 stolen, uh, I'm sorry, 30 stolen bases this year across uh, three levels. Only caught two times. Pretty amazing. The power did take a pretty big hit this year. Five total homers in 106 games. Hit 14 last year. Is he somebody that you think is perennially going to fall under the double-digit mark? Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, – anything you get really over, like, seven or eight, I think is gravy. Uh, wouldn't expect him to hit more than four or five in his first couple seasons. It's definitely – He's a guy who his value is really going to hinge a lot on where he's hit in the order because uh, he's going to hit for a, a high average, I think, and he's going to steal for bases if he if he gets on base enough. And hopefully that, that leads to him being in – you know, it's just tough. I mean, that's a tough spot because they have Denard Span. Trey Turner, obviously, is a guy who you would figure is going to be in the mix for one of those top spots in the order, so – it's hard, but I think on a lot of teams he'd be batting in that, that one hole and kind of setting the table, and that'd be a, a perfect spot for him. I know you've said on several occasions that you just don't want to own Rockies pitchers, uh, really, in season-long or in Dynasty in particular. But Kyle Freeland, the guy that you're going to be watching closely, uh, maybe see if there's some, well, some hidden potential there? I mean, it's just it's kind of one of those – I'm going to be watching him because I like watching good pitchers pitch in person. Like, yeah. it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, man, he looked good. I can't wait to go out and, like, <laughs> roster him in my dynasty league. Like, it's just going to be one of those, this guy has, you know, electric stuff. Uh, he's, a, he's a good pitcher, and it's a damn shame that he's on the Rockies <laughs> so that I'll never be able to own it. I mean, maybe he could get <laughs> traded. But, well, I the Rockies, given their need, I doubt would do that. Just 5.4 strikeouts per nine this year for, for Freeland. And he, I mean, you said the electric stuff, but he's, is that going to tick up? He's all? working. I mean, that was all – I, I could be mistaken. I think he was mostly – he started the year at least in instructs. And, I mean, he's, he's working his way back from a, from an injury that, that had him out for quite a while. So uh, not really reading into those numbers that much. Um, you know, he's he's definitely someone that – I wouldn't rank in like a top 200. I mean, the Rockies thing is, is obviously something, but it's also just kind of a lack of his body to be able to hold up since he was drafted. I mean, the guy threw, uh, you know, under 50 innings in, in, uh, professional ball this year, uh, well under 50 innings last year. So, you know, health has been an issue. So that, that would be a kind of a, a thing I would look at and, hold that against him almost as much as the Colorado thing. Now, finally, for surprise, Alex Reyes, who I know you really like. I'm excited to see him as well. Luke Weaver, Gary Sanchez, Jerkson Profar, which I think is really interesting because, you know, he's not technically a prospect. Played in, I think, 80 games in 2013 or whatever with Texas, but are really kind of hitting the restart button and probably should be viewed uh, as a prospect when evaluating uh, for fr- for future seasons in, in fantasy baseball. I think it's going to be interesting to see him actually in live action, see what he can do. Tyler Wade, Lewis Brinson, Brett Phillips, who I'm also excited to see. Bubba Starling, who had a really a bounce-back year. I was ready to write him off. He was actually kind of a running joke around the office. Uh, Nate Letterman really trying to pawn him off to me and, and others in Staff Keeper League, well, too. It's like, but... just drop him, man. Like, <laughs> it's not a joke when you chose to roster him. <laughs> like, just, just drop him. You're allowed to do that so after, after it, each season. I'm taking it you're not buying into his season this year? I don't No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, that's kind of a poor, poor Dynasty League <laughs> ownership true, management true. On, on Nate's part there. Uh, Starling obviously not a not a guy who should be kept in leagues that keep less than 200 minor leaguers uh coming into this year uh 
I mean, he's a guy that I'm definitely interested to watch in person because I mean, it's it's loud tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not not ready to give up on him yet. I mean, he was this is part of the package when they drafted him. He wasn't going to be a fast mover. Uh, nobody expected him to struggle the way he did, but you you, you shouldn't be that uh, broken hearted that he's not in the big leagues yet. The fact that he's making uh, strides, you know, positive strides, you can tell uh, year to year is is definitely worth noting that the two guys that I'm just going to be all over on this surprise roster, are Alex Reyes and Luis Brinson, though, just just in terms of the cheer sheer <laughs> potential like i'm talking oh, 80 talking sheer potential 80 sheer. on both of these guys uh you know brinson is just insane i mean he kind of gets uh forgotten about i guess b- behind nomar mazara but his numbers are almost as impressive this year and i don't think he's close to as sure thing as as mazara is but i mean he's i think he's 21 years old made his way all the way up to to help round rock in the the playoffs at triple a and you know he might not be that far behind either i don't i don't think they would have been so quick to trade nick williams if they didn't see brinson as possibly their their center fielder of the future so you could see mazar and brinson together in that outfield by the all-star break next year just call him edward scissors scissor hands with those shears <laughs> i mean that shear level is out of control uh brett phillips he ranked 12th on your outfield rankings that we touched on earlier of course traded in that carlos gomez uh, mike fires deal is he somebody that you think may be on the verge of bumping up higher or do you maybe think that he'll have more real life value than fantasy value i just think that there's more risk with him than there is with some of the guys i had ahead of him and like there's some risk with some of the guys like Either the guys ahead of him were safer or they had more ceiling or both. Uh, I think he's going to be up in the big leagues fairly soon next year just based on where, where the Brewers are as, as a team. I think you'll, you'll see them kind of try to find a way to have uh, Phillips, Braun, and Santana playing together next year, and that would be – just, I mean, a fun a fun outfield to watch. I don't know how productive Phillips and Santana will be in full-time roles next year, but, it, I mean, certainly plenty of plenty of sheer with those guys. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Phillips is someone who you could, you could talk me into him being a top-five outfield prospect or you could talk me into him being outside the top 15. I kind of – opted to to hold him down a little bit but yeah i mean i think he's definitely someone who like the rest of these guys once they get called up they'll be picked up in most formats and we'll just kind of see what happens and with profar do you have any expectations with him i mean as far as being a fantasy option i mean after that second setback with the shoulder uh that knocked him out for nearly all of this year there's talk around the office and maybe this guy's just toast but uh, do you still have some hope with him yeah, I mean, know know who he kind of reminds me of. Uh, it's it's a it's a pitcher, but so that I mean that kind of throws you off right away. But he kind of throws he reminds me of uh, of Michael Pineda a little bit hmm. in in terms yeah. of just how he was just scorching hot on in terms of value and not being on the scene and and then just injuries kind of put him out of sight, out of mind for a couple of years, and then he was able to kind of come back and and be pretty pretty darn effective at times now it's going to be harder for profar because like pineda as a starting pitcher pretty easy for him to just kind of pitch his way into the rotation mm-hmm. with profar he doesn't really have a place to play right now i mean rugi odor has just been one of my favorite players to watch in the second half he's just been just so much passion uh, so much swag so much so much home run power for a guy his mm-hmm. age and his stature. It's just been been great to watch him play. Obviously, Elvis isn't going to go anywhere. So uh, one of the reasons that teams will, will have guys play in the AFL is to kind of showcase yeah. them for possible trades in the winter. I uh, would not be surprised if the Rangers just explored what the market is for Profire. You know, I think it's it's always hard when you're obviously selling low on a guy like this, but I don't see any reason that they would shop a guy like Odor. I don't think too many teams are interested in Andrew's contract, so that kind of hamstrings the Rangers. If they want to turn Profar into 
an asset that they can help have help win help them win next year, then trading profile is really the easiest way to go about that. You know, I think it's I think they will do that. I think they will look into trading him. I think it's interesting that just given what the Rangers have done to, you know, make a push this year and of course they're in first place now, but they really didn't mortgage a lot of their future. They gave up a lot of prospects in that deal to get Hamels, but they still have a lot of good young players, Mazzara, mm-hmm. Gallo, and, and Profar kind of gets lost in that shuffle, but I think he'd be a guy that uh, yeah, they could trade, bring in another piece, and they still have a lot of a lot of good youth on that team. Pretty optimistic outlook there in Arlington. That'll do it for the prospect portion of the show. James and I are going to grade out our latest hip-hop group on the 20 to 80 scale. 20 to 80, uh, not sheer potential, but you know, sheer... Actuality. Uh, yeah, I guess it's just <laughs> sheer actuality. <laughs> sheer is just... Uh, hit us up with the hashtag sheer if you got any... Uh, sheer sheer potential in your life but on the, the five <laughs> in your life <laughs> the five tools we've established for grading hip-hop groups lyricism flow longevity impact and swag grading on mob deep this week now we, we set our grades for mob deep actually like months ago we never ended up uh well talking about what, them on the pod what happened i mean there's there's obviously a story behind it uh i went on vacation the prospect pod disappeared for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and we felt that the only way to properly make that up to the listeners was to come back and grade Wu-Tang Clan. So <laughs> uh, I don't think anyone was complaining that we left Mob Deep on the burner this long, but I'm glad we, we got back around to, to getting them. Yeah, I agree that nobody's probably been clamoring for us to grade Mob Deep, but kind of slept on, kind of an underrated no, I mean, group. I think that's the theme of, of this, this grade. Yeah. It's just that they... You know, they're, I would say that they're very much like the rap group equivalent to a prospect who does not, uh, like, scouts don't fall in love with this prospect. You know, mm-hmm. he's a guy who gets left off of top 100 lists, doesn't really have any wow tools necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I might I can honestly say like it's hard to find a way to grade Mob Deep uh legitimately and have their overall number look like what I think it should look like exactly. because I mean we'll get into it but I mean none of these tools really are are super super plus to me uh but uh, there aren't there are probably aren't 10 rap groups I'd rather listen to than Mob Deep. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a good comp in baseball. I feel like maybe Joe Panic, but even then I think it's uh, uh, underselling Mob Deep. Maybe, um, hmm, maybe like uh, like Matt Carpenter. Ooh, yeah, I like that one. Uh, maybe, well, maybe a guy like Jake Arrieta, even though maybe that's a little too high. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. There's, there's dude, Jake Arrieta can't wait to to allow us to rip up our Pirates tickets in that wild oh, card I game. Know. He's just I gonna know. just gonna <laughs> go no hits. I was watching some of that game yesterday, and it's like, I mean, the Pirates were able to tie it late, but it's like, yeah, we, we James and I each have, have action on the Pirates. Uh, well, I got 12-1. to You somehow found 15-1 to after I left, but it's... <laughs> I waited for you to leave, and then yeah. I went to the good books. Thanks, man. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, seeing Arietta versus... Uh, I mean Cole. That should be. I mean, that's I love be Cole. A lot of fun. I mean, they're just gonna need Arietta to not be on his A game because if he is, then sorry. Mm-hmm. So, well, the infamous Mob Deep. Let's get to these grades. Uh, lyricism. I got a sixty here. Again, I think slept on. Infamous and murder music. Really, the infamous and murder music. Really, my favorite records from these these two guys. A lot of great features also, but I think uh, both of these guys really bring it lyrically well yeah i mean i i think uh i think prodigy is is the guy that brings it the most mm-hmm. in terms of the lyrics um i don't i like havoc though havoc's havoc's good uh havoc's definitely kind of the pro- producer of the group uh i mean it, it's not a gangstar thing where it's just producer and, and rapper but I think you know Havoc was kind of on on split duty. Uh, yeah, I'm with you though. I mean, I think uh, I think Murder Music to me is one. Whenever something off that album comes up on like my Pandora, it's just I'm I'm, just I'm in. I'm not I'm not 
hitting next at all. Uh, the infamous obviously is, is probably the one that, that people are most familiar with because of, uh, because of shook ones. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think prodigy for sure kind of helps bring this grade up to a 60 for me. Yeah. Hell on earth was one of their more critically acclaimed albums. I like that one too, but, uh, for me, murder music is where it's at for sure. Uh, Cormega feature on there, eight ball feature. And of course, Raekwon feature, uh, cool G rap as well. Top to bottom, that's that's what album that should be dusted off, and uh, the the younger generation should really give some spin because people aren't realizing, you know, just what what this this group did for hip hop, and that's why my impact grade is a little lower. We'll get to that here shortly. But flow, I got a seventy here. I mean, maybe it's not the the flashiest, most memorable flow, but for me, these guys writing over beat. Uh, you know, in terms of you know the back and forth between these guys, kind of unparalleled. Not completely, but at the same time, kind of in an elite class. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I went sixty. Uh, not and this one, I think we've we've touched on this with some other groups. It's really hard when on certain tracks or even certain albums, a group uh, demonstrates seventy or or maybe even seventy five or eighty flow. And then you can listen to another song of theirs, and it's more like forty-five. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I, Mob I, Deep. Mob Deep actually, to me, um, of all the groups we've graded, and all the groups that I'm going to end up giving a a grade of fifty or higher, might be more hit or miss for me than than any of those other groups, just because I I think like I could just take say my my 20 favorite mob deep songs and just be good to go and mm-hmm. like never miss the the rest of the collection whereas i would never really be able to do that with with a group like like outcast or wu-tang or anything like that so that's a good point uh but yeah i mean 60 flow I mean, that's still a plus flow yeah do you remember the it's mine video I mentioned that nas feature in merger music that was the song it's mine that was an 80 video <laughs> i mean i love that video classic late 90s uh, just swagger all around with Nas at his peak and Mob Deep really kind of at their peak as well, I'd argue. Now, Longevity, I got a 50 here. They actually had a ton of studio releases, but after Murder Music, I wasn't really on them. But even with, uh, but just given the, the number of studio releases, I think you have to put 50. It looks like they got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Most recent uh, studio release in 2014, the infamous Mob Deep different from the infamous in 95 but i got a 50 here mainly because they just kind of fizzled for, from memory unfortunately uh what do i have i have a 50 for them as well uh yeah i mean i think th- so juvenile hell 93 uh i would say you go up to 99 with murder music that's a really really strong uh six-year run but then uh, there's actually a couple tracks off of America's Nightmare 2004 and, and Blood Money 2006 that I like. So I didn't completely like sleep on them after 99. So I'll kind of give them you know, a little bonus there. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's that's definitely an impressive run. So yeah, I mean, I think 50, 50 is solid. Not quite a, a true decade of 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 really high level uh, production, but but, you know, eight years easy i would say i remember hnic uh prodigy's solo album in 2000 that was a good album too I yeah, think. yeah 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 um, yeah of course we can't factor that in just because it's a solo but uh one that i think if you're listening and you want to check out mob deep that you should put on your list for sure uh, impact i got 45 again i just feel like uh they probably had a far bigger impact in the industry i think they're pretty well respected but in terms of the culture i think people just don't give this uh, group as much love as they deserve. That's why I got them a, as a 45 grade. Yeah, I went uh, 50. You know, I think it definitely helps having a song like, like Shook Ones Part 2 that is probably yeah, maybe maybe like a top 20 most uh, referenced or, or most widely known hip-hop song of all time across genres and across age groups you know i mean i think there's probably 18 and 20 year old kids that that have heard that song in in a movie or or what have you and they know about it and then there's you know old heads that 
that still bang that song. So I mean, it's it's definitely uh, a type the type of song that can help push up a grade like like Impact for me. So I, I put a fifty on it. Uh, definitely kind of came up in that that kind of golden age of rap mm-hmm. where everything was just kind of perfect you know <laughs> like all the, yeah. the the type the style of music and everything i think i think especially around uh uh the infamous and and murder music i mean really kind of encap encapsulated that style so uh 50 for me and they had some you know commercial success but not really nearly as much as a lot of other groups at that time you know no. graded like rough riders and uh for me mob deep far and ahead of rough riders but they I, just were overshadowed because they had that Rough Riders that name brand with with DMX. I think it was really, really, really hard for groups to get commercial success unless you were just kind of super out there, like uh, like Outcast, you know, like or Woo, even. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there needed to be something sort of unique and like different about you. Whereas, like groups like Gangstar and Mob Deep, you know, putting out really, really great material, but. It just that's not something that I think is easily marketed uh, to the mainstream. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Swag, I got a 50. I mentioned the It's Mine video. I mean, that's an 80 swag in that video. Overall, 50 for me. Uh, like their swag, but it was kind of kind of uh, a standard. They weren't trying too hard to, to be flashy or anything like that. Yeah, I went with a 45. Um, I, think the, <laughs> I think these guys were probably best... Uh, you know, I would say Prodigy had a face for radio, <laughs> and uh, probably yeah. probably best that those guys sort of stayed behind the microphone and and kind of let let the let the lyrics and the beats do the talking. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, forty five for me. Yeah, just because I, I didn't oh, want to go lower than that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's fair. Uh, definitely a face for radio. Uh, that is for sure. I got overall at fifty, which. God, I wish I could have bumped that up to 55, but at the same time, easily higher than uh, Rough Riders, G-Unit, D12. Uh, Below Eric B and Rakim by an even 20 points for me, but I think... I think that's fair. I think it's fair. I have them five points below Bone Thugs, which I'll actually stand by. You got them as the same overall group. Yeah, I... That's a tough one. I think if I had to only listen to one group for the rest of my life. I think I'd pick Mob Deep over Bone Thugs, but, uh, you know, I think I think I graded them both out. Uh, you know, I stand behind those grades for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, if you guys got a group you'd like uh, us to hit next time or any prospects you want us to tackle specifically, uh, if you got a, any sheer for us, let us know. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Follow James at RealJRAnderson. I'm at Clay W. Link. See you next week, guys. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.